Welcome in to Sports Talk. It is a Tuesday. I am Scott Beatty, and if for those of you who are very accustomed to routine, I don't mean to throw off your game. Mm-hmm. We don't mean to throw off your game. But I'm joined by Evan Kahn here in this hour. Hey, And next hour, Lauren Tate's in. You know, no, nobody is superstitious, but sometimes they're a little stitious. And, and I don't want to throw anybody off their game. So, it's all good. Well, it's just the start. This whole week is a, a, a little jumbled up, uh, which is makes sense as things are going to get a little hairy around here starting next week with the basketball and football seasons overlapping. So, here we are. Yeah. Great to have you with us. You can weigh in on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, all things sports, at 217-351-5357. And uh, the phone number is 217-356-9397. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jake Butt, Big Ten Network football analyst, former Michigan All-American tight end and NFL player. And as he launched his broadcasting career, he was assigned two Illini games in a row. In fact, the last two Illini football games. Want to get his perspective from what he saw high atop Memorial Stadium the last two weekends and just how good Illinois is in his mind. Also, I know maybe the highlight of the show for you is we're giving away journey tickets, Evan. I'm glad that we can bless people with journey tickets. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it to you to... Think about how we're going to do this. We're going to do it this hour. So just uh, be ready to with your with your digits if you're uh, wanting to call in and get some journey tickets. Journey coming to the State Farm Center in March of 2023. You cannot buy them yet. You can soon, but you can win them now today. In fact, so stay tuned for all of that. Uh, baseball is going on. It's Game 5, win or go home. The Yankees and Cleveland playing right now. It's uh, a delayed game from yesterday. Cleveland. For the second time. <laughs> yep. It's it's such a big game that the reruns of Friends have been preempted on TBS oh, no. <laughs> by this game. Uh, actually, I really like the TBS crew. I think they do a good job. But uh, with Brian Anderson. Oh, uh, is that who's doing this? He's the play-by-play guy. Why did I think Costas was doing this series? Oh, is he? I think he is. Oh, I just have a TBS and Brian Anderson association in my head. He is, right. He, he is, is doing, doing a series. series because every single time he brings up anything that's happened for the Guardians before this year, it's formerly the Cleveland Indians. As oh. if, you know, we were all born yesterday <laughs> and he's the keeper of all things history in baseball. <laughs> I, I Well, he may believe himself that. It, it certainly has sounded as such, this series. You know, bless him. He, he's a Hall of Famer. He, he had his day, but there, there just comes a point in time when you consistently harp about, you know, back in my day and you're bringing up references from 1930 that you don't sound historical, you just sound dated. <laughs> Bob Costas is because there is a certain segment that knows him as baseball. And actually, I didn't. I mean, I know he was doing the NBC game of the week. Like we talked, I think, last week about the Ryan Sandberg game when when Bruce Suter came up with his Mm -hmm. recent passing. Um, But just after that, you know, to me, Bob Costas was more kind of Olympics, kind of a little bit of everything. And I always remember him at the NBA on NBC as Mm -hmm. well. Uh, just everywhere, but there's some people who say Bob Costas and baseball are linked, you know. And there was the rumor going around at one point he was he wanted to be commissioner. I don't think he ever really was <laughs> lobbying for that. It was just people going, "Well, Bob Costas should be commissioner of baseball." 
Uh, well, you got Rob Manfred. <laughs> what's, the, what's the lesser? Of, no, no. I, I don't know. I have nothing to, to judge what Bob Costas would be a, as a commissioner. So I'll withhold judgment as far as that goes. But as far as him on this Yankees Guardian series, uh, I'll be happy when we get uh, Brian Anderson as one of the two crews next round. Brian Anderson handles big moments very well. I think I think he does a really nice job. All right, big moments for some Illinois football players today. The various uh, some various media outlets identify mid-season All-Americans, kind of like an All-Star team in the middle of the baseball season if you will, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like who's who's played really well. There are five Illinois representatives. I don't know that this I mean some of these publications haven't been around forever, uh, like the Athletic, but um, others have. I don't know how long they've been doing this, uh, but the Illini, three have earned nods from the Athletic, um, and five different Illini have earned nine nods. I'm just going to read this instead of trying to sum it up because I'm having trouble here. In all, five different Illini earned nine nods from the Athletic, Sporting News, Associated Press, including Gabe Ackes, who earned a pair of midseason freshman All-American accolades from both the Athletic and on three. So, your midseason... All-Americans, Chase Brown, no surprise, AP, Athletic, and Sporting News midseason All-Americans. Gabe Ackes, Athletic and on three midseason true freshman All-American. Quan Martin, Sporting News midseason All-American. Johnny Newton, AP midseason All-American and Athletic midseason All-American second team. And Devin Weatherspoon, Athletic midseason All-American. Four out of those five that we just mentioned, defensive players. Mm-hmm. All very worthy, and I believe the offensive line as a unit received some kind of award from a guy who gives out those sorts of things, you know. So, uh, offensive line doing good. All those guys, you, you know, they're doing well. Most of them, I, I think, as we've kind of been hinting at over the last few weeks, might not be here in Champaign-Urbana next season, but that's a good thing. That's what you want from a, a program. All those guys set up to, to go on and play for the NFL. And, yeah, Gabe Ackes has been huge since... Uh, Ezekiel Holmes went down and we we wondered about the depth at a lot of positions and outside linebacker was one of them and he stepped right in and he looks like a grown man at 18 and he's just hit the ground running. Seth Coleman not too shabby either. Nope. Remember there was that time I don't know about six or seven weeks ago when we wondered how good is the offensive line and how good would the defensive line be. It was right around I don't know the day before the first game of the year Mm -hmm. and then even after that we felt like, and whoever we is, I'm not trying to lump you in if you don't want to be lumped, but we felt like, okay, Illinois looked pretty solid against Wyoming. That's a team they're supposed to beat, but you kind of liked what you saw. Mm-hmm. They'll be tested against Indiana, and oops, they made some mistakes. Well, now they're going to be tested against Virginia. Stomped them. All right, well, now you got to go on the road to a place you never win in Wisconsin. Stomped them. All right, well, now it's back home against, you know, a really tough defense in Iowa. Eked it out. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, well, here comes Minnesota. It's a pretty good offense and a really good defense. Held them to, like, 40 passing yards or something, minuscule like that. And probably should have put up a 30 spot. Yeah. So, here we are. And uh, as I was looking at some bowl projections today. Uh, Athletic projected them into the Music City Bowl in Nashville against an SEC team. Um, I'm looking at 
another outlet here that puts them in the orange. The Athletic gave a good reminder as you look at these. So the number three Big Ten Bowl or mm-hmm. the number four Big Ten Bowl, I think it's more like a draft. So yeah. it's not necessarily the third best team in the Big Ten. It's yep. the third choice. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, going back, I've seen people referencing that, you know, Illinois wasn't the best team in the Big Ten back in 07, but for whatever reason, that was the, Illinois was the school that was chosen, right? Well, Ohio State had Ohio State was in the national championship game, so they were out, and I don't think Illinois was number two. Or was it the probation? I I think that was the year they played Florida. Oh, with Urban Meyer? Yeah. Okay. I can remember. Yeah, that. when Urban was still there. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> Illinois beat Ohio State, but they still got into it. Right, right. So, yeah, it, you know, that's why the, the scouts, the, the bowl scouts were in this weekend. They're, they're looking at, you know, fan engagement and, and those sorts of things. I think the, the Red Box Bowl, yeah, Illinois was 6-6, six and six, but Illinois got a, a pretty strong alumni base out in California, and they know that the fans will travel to California, so that kind of made sense. That's where the... Craft Fight Hunger Bowl was, right? Yeah, it was somewhere Francisco. somewhere yeah. out in, in California. So that made sense. You know, Nashville, that's just a hop, skip, and a, a jump away from here. It's a, a middle ground for kind of everybody. So it would make sense that, that Illinois would end up there. But still, five, six, seven games to go before all that's decided. Yeah, and uh, Rose Bowl, I mean, the projections would is Michigan to the Rose Bowl. And also, could this be the end of the Rose Bowl as we know it Mm, mm -hmm. because next year the Rose Bowl will be a playoff bowl. Right. So it's not going to be Big Ten Pac-12. It's going to be one versus four or two versus three, whatever that is, which could be those two. But (laughs) uh, And then after that, uh, so I think there's a little feeling like, well, again, this is assuming Ohio State's won the championship of the Big Ten and is going to the playoff. Michigan's going to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, Michigan. Michigan travels Michigan, well. USC, yeah, Rose I mean, Bowl. I mean, that's, that. that's American college football right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. It just seems like that's the way the last Rose Bowl is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it should be that way, but I can see sort of the poetry in that. And, and for there's, some, and for there's some. and there's a path, just like as we've been saying the last couple of weeks. I mean, it's realistic. You could see a path to Illinois winning the West, and if Illinois somehow takes care of business up at, at the Big House, you know, maybe Illinois catapults into that spot. But yeah, I mean, they they control their they they really control their destiny. They at do, this point. and I, I you know, as maybe unlikely as it seems uh, to win at the Big House, and again, we're talking four games down the road here but as unlikely as that may seem i don't know that it's a blowout i think they keep that close yeah they're competitive yeah limit the mistakes like they did last week that was the the biggest thing and why i think illinois looks so good against minnesota and maybe not some of those other games is turnovers have been a problem for illinois and if they take care of the ball yeah they're they're just about as good as anybody outside of ohio state i'm still convinced that they're otherworldly All right, we'll talk with Jake Butt, get his perspective when we come back on a Tuesday edition of Sports Talk. Also, Lauren Tate is in in the 5 o'clock hour. I don't know if I got to mention that. I should have mentioned that, too. Mm -hmm. Lauren Tate's in the 5 o'clock hour, and Travis Tate will be in as well. The start of the uh, the NBA season tonight. So we'll get his thoughts on that. Off and running, back after this. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. On the latest episode of Inside Illini Basketball, we discuss the ranked Illini, a renovated urban basketball complex, and get ready with college basketball just around the corner. 
Tuesday Sports Talk. Evan Kahn is with us here for the first hour. Lauren's in in hour number two. He is a former All-American tight end at Michigan and a standout NFL player as well, and now a Big Ten Network football analyst. He's was on the call for the last two Illini games, and he's good enough to make a call with us right here. It's Jake Booty. Jake, once again, thank you so much for making some time for us. No problem, guys. Yeah, good to be on here. So from going into what you had prepared for about the Illini a couple of weeks ago, going into the Iowa game, and now having seen them Iowa and Minnesota, two games in a row, what has stood out to you? Um, you know, I think they just – I wasn't surprised by anything I saw. You know, it, it's just confirming it against better and better teams with, with each their own identity. You know, Iowa having a great defense. Minnesota really being a complete team. They had a great defense. Um, you know, before some of the injuries offensively, they had one of the better offenses as well. And, you know, Illinois just continued to put it on tape regardless of the opponent, I think, which is the sign of a good team is they can dictate the game by their own identity and they don't necessarily have to change regardless of who they're playing. So that that's certainly encouraging. Um, that defense is outstanding, man. I mean, at all, at all three levels, they play complimentary football, the interior, that defensive line, um, you know, I, I kept saying it on the air. I'm like, that's a thousand pounds in there. 300 pounds, 300 pounds, 300 pounds. And they can move, which is, which is unbelievable. And then your edge rushers have come on strong with, with the freshman Akis and, Coleman just just showing different moves in different games and how they can all complement each other in pass rush. They do a good job of winning first and second down and then letting their pass rush tee off on on passing situations on third down and then um, you know Witherspoon I, I I was asked to give my midseason Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year and there were so many guys that could be recognized but I, but I actually said Witherspoon was was going to be my guy just because of how good he's been in pass coverage but then these past two weeks the way he comes up and hits you, you know, it's not all, it, it's, it's fun to him. You know, he's not just a willing tackler, which is like the minimum you'd ask for, for, for guys in your secondary. He comes up and almost enjoys the contact and, and his emotion after the play is really phenomenal. So the defense is clicking and then offensively, it'll be good to get McCray back. It'll be good to get Chase Brown some help because I think he had about 45 touches in that game and I know he he says hey I can do that every single week but um, there was a time in my life where I thought I could do that but just just playing enough football you know it it doesn't allow you to maximize it down the stretch of the season you know maybe you can you can hold it on for so long but you'd like to get him some help and and take some blows off of his body um, so, so it'll be good to get him some help out there. And, and DeVito is just quietly putting out one of the better court, quarterback seasons across the conference, really. I mean, his stats aren't going to pop off at you. They're just really steady each week, and he does everything that's asked of him. You can win a lot of games with him under center. So, Jake, you mentioned uh, Devin Weatherspoon, for example, and how much he wants to hit. You, know, you, ha- you played tight end, um, and you had to take some blows in your day. What what does that do to the opposition when you know the defense likes to hit and they want to play really physical? Um, you know, I don't think it really it doesn't it doesn't do much to you. You know, you're you're not going to change it. Similar to what we just said about Iowa is, is you're not or Illinois. You're not going to change too much unless you're forced to adapt within the game. So I guess it's more of an in-game thing where if you run across the middle or, or you're a running back getting up to the second level, once you feel that hit on you 
it may just make you more aware of it without the game, throughout the game. And then football is a game of timing. So if I'm running across the middle as a tight end, and in the first quarter, Witherspoon popped me in my chest. Well, next time I'm running across the middle, maybe I'm taking my eyes off the football to see where he is. And that, that split second of timing could be the difference between a catch and a drop. So, um, you know, he's a guy that teams will identify for sure. I mean, I wouldn't want to throw his way throughout the game. He's, he's your best cover corner. But, but he's really a complete player. Um, and someone teams are just going to have to keep their eyes on week in, week out. Visiting with Jake Buddy works on the Big Ten Network, and we're talking Illinois and Big Ten football. Hey, Jake, this is Evan. You mentioned last week Minnesota, mostly at full capacity, but they've got some some key injuries across the board. And as I look at these last three wins, huge from Illinois' perspective. You knock off Wisconsin, you knock off Iowa, you knock off Minnesota, three conference foes. But none of them are ranked, and none of them look like they're ready to be ranked. So how much was Saturday about the Illini, and how much did it say about maybe where Minnesota's at versus where they were the, the first three weeks? I, that's what's crazy, man. Is I, I was really singing Minnesota's praises. I thought they had a chance to to win the West and, and even be competitive um, if they did make it to Indy. But the 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 injuries hurt. Okay, so I mean, you lose Chris Ottman Bell, and that was their number one receiver. I mean, that was Sharaka in my coach meetings. It, it was you know, as an offensive coordinator, as a quarterback, you have a guy in critical situations when you need a play that you're going to go to. And that was Chris Ottman Bell. You know, he was their veteran guy. He was their go-to guy. So losing him hurt. And you're still trying to figure out, is it Daniel Jackson, number nine? They tried to go to Michael Brown-Stevens a couple times in the game, but that didn't work. Um, Brevin span forward at tight end. So they're str- still trying to figure out who they can rely on in the pass game. Mo Ibrahim still Mo Ibrahim. But you know, he can only do so much when you don't have any effective pass game. So it's a bit of both. I mean, Illinois is, is Illinois. They're playing great football in their own right. But, you know, they'll face better offenses down the stretch of the season, I imagine, um, especially later in the year, that, that will challenge them a bit more than their opponents have challenged them. And coming off of a, a hot stretch here, Illinois won five games in a row. A, as a player, would you rather be playing this Saturday, or, or do they welcome the, the open week and the time to recover and, and they'll get ready for Nebraska next week? You, you, you always take a bye week. <laughs> it's such a, it's, <laughs> football's such a physical game, man. It's, it's a, at that point in the season, we've already talked about injuries and being beat up how many times on this, this call right away, so... You always take a bye week wherever it, wherever it meets you. And, you know, we just mentioned Chase Brown. He's the foundational piece of the offense, but, but really the team as a whole. And coming off 45 touches in a game, you know, for him to get a chance to, to get his body back healthy, get back in the weight room, try to push some strength numbers back up. Because, you know, you work, at, you work throughout the offseason, you get your strength up to a maximum capacity, and then, Throughout the season, you're just trying to get keep it as close to that max number as possible. But inevitably, the longer the season goes on, the more those numbers go down. So um, for him to get his body healthy and get his strength numbers back, it, it comes at a good time for them. And then really to, to evaluate, hey, go back and look and say we've had so much success. But, you know, what a bye week does is it, allow you, it allows you to get into self-scout situations. So you can see if you, if you put some tendencies on tape, that other teams are going to try to take advantage of, well, then you can use those tendencies to your own advantage. If, if you know a team's going to scheme you against those tendencies, 
well, you'll be able to then make tendency breakers that complement it to, to use to your own advantage, if that makes sense. Jake Butt with us here on Sports Talk. On that note, last week heading into the game, P.J. Fleck of Minnesota said about Illinois that they do an excellent job of disguising their defense, and they're really only ever in cover one or cover two. But teams are basically left guessing on how they, they line up. Did you see that come out? And is it really that simple? Just don't – it's that option A or option B, and that uh, alone can really give you an advantage? Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's, that, that's, that's what they do as well as anybody. And I look at some other teams across the conference that, you know, they do not do that. And they telegraph when they're in cover one or they're in zone. And, and if, you, if you're facing a good offensive coordinator with good offensive pieces, if you're telegraphing it, you should be able to take advantage of it. You know, there's there certain things when it's cover one man. I mean, I could just – cover one man means the defensive backs are going to have outside leverage. And they're going to have outside leverage because the cover one safety is in the middle of the field in between the hashes. So you want to funnel the routes towards your help. Well, if it's cover one man, you should run crossers in pick routes because essentially you're getting into a track meet at that point. That, that's the way you beat cover one man. There's also some, some things you can do against zone. But when you disguise it, again, what it does is it disrupts that timing. Maybe you call it a play to beat cover one man. They're showing you cover one man, and then they roll to two zone at the last minute. If you don't have a quarterback that's locked in on this and dialed in, you know that's going to disrupt the timing. It's maybe going to give them a false sense of security, which can lead to interceptions, which can lead to mistakes. So, you know, it's just a willingness to to play complementary defense. Hey, yeah, we're really good at man, but we're going to mix in zone to help our guys out and to give our defense a pre-snap advantage, you know, just to, just to disrupt the timing and the rhythm and the mindset of the opposing quarterback. It, it's just smart football, but, you know, it's easy to say that not every team and not every coordinator does it. So, Jake, just I, I want to expand here a little bit into the Big Ten, but just to finish up here on Illinois, up to a number 18 ranking, and you know, whether wherever you would want to put them, but does this look like to you a team that is, uh, you know, what people are starting to say is maybe a favorite to win the division now? Does this look like, hey, yeah, Illinois belongs? Uh, yeah, they certainly belong. Um, I, anyone that says otherwise hasn't watched the tape, hasn't been watching them. I mean, you can make a case for them to be the favorite. Um, I think Purdue is, is starting to play some great football right now. The West is still a tight race. Um, and until somebody really separates at the top, it's it's going to be an educated guess at best. But there's no reason anyone should say that that Illinois isn't up there and in that conversation. And, and there's certainly a case to be made for them to be the favorite of that conversation. In terms of complementary football, unit to unit, you know, offense, it's predicated off Chase Brown. And then you have RPO and play action. It's beautiful. And then defensively, you mentioned at all three levels, they're playing complementary football. The D line is disruptive. The linebackers can fill holes when they're when they're when the law firm's double teamed up front. And then their secondary can come down and participate in the run game, but can also cover you and be disruptive in the pass game downfield. So it's unit to unit complementary, and then it's it's defense to offense complementary. They just play good team football across the board. And Brett Milo is a guy that's been there and he's coached at a high level and he's had successful teams. So this isn't somewhere that he hasn't been in the past so across across the board really i'd say illinois is in a great place and you know coming down the stretch of the season there's no reason they can't make a run but they got to continue to do it and that's that's the hard part is sustaining this level of play throughout the season 
teams have a tendency to, to be good for one or two games throughout the year where they play under expectations. Obviously, Illinois did that against Indiana. Is that their one mistake and they've learned from it? We'll, we'll see, but there's no reason this team can't win and, and, and get to Indy. Jake, when you were at Michigan, you went through a, a coaching change, and not just that, you went from a, a losing record to the next year immediately a, a winning record. A, aside from the, the schemes and the X's and O's, what does a, a new coach bring to a, a locker room, and, and how, why do you think the Illinois players, majority of which weren't recruited by, by Brett Bielema, uh, have stuck around and they're playing maybe even above their expectations when he came in a couple years ago? So I, it's it's kind of a question on you know how Brett has taken you know you went from where Illinois was to where where they are now and you know as a head coach there's you're 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 less X's and O's there's there's point there's points where you have to insert yourself from a term of X's and O's but as a head coach you're an identifier of talent across your staff across your coordinators and across your assistant positions you have to bring in guys that are that know the game of football that can teach the game of football and that can, that can recruit and then develop players to execute the game of football. And he's done that. Ryan Walters and Barry Lonnie Jr. are two of my favorite coordinators that we've had the chance to talk to at this point in the season. You already hear the head coach conversation heating up for, for Ryan Walters. He's that, that's a compliment to, to him. And that's a, whether he does or he doesn't, it, it shows you what you guys have in a defensive coordinator. And then Barry Lonnie Jr. Just taking, what Brett Bielema wants to do, which is run the ball traditionally, but to modernize it and, and to say, we're going to run the ball, but we're going to run it out of gun and we're going to complement it with RPO offense. If a defense wants to overplay the run, we're going to, we're going to use the quick game and the screen game to give ourselves an advantage from a number standpoint. Always. That's no egos. That's just saying, Hey, we're going to look at the numbers on emotionally and we're going to give ourselves the best chance to win. That's great. And then, you know, I look at what he did in the transfer portal, bringing in Tommy DeVito you know, DeVito was a good quarterback at Syracuse. The problem was is he was hit at a rate about as high as anybody in the entire country, so he was beat up and injured. Well, Bielema, the big selling point, they didn't even have Barry Lunny Jr. as an offensive coordinator at that point, but Bielema said, just trust me, because if you look at my history, one thing I've always done is had good offensive lines that are going to keep you protected and keep you healthy. So there was a trust factor there bringing in the, the, the biggest three pieces as a head coach are your coordinators and your quarterback. And he checked all those boxes. He didn't even, not only did he not miss, he excelled in every one of those hires and additions. And I think that's a, that's a huge reason throughout the program. And then, of course, you know, you're selling the belief. It starts in spring ball, you're playing good football. It starts in, in camp, you're playing good football. The belief, the belief, and then you start to win games down the stretch and that belief only grows. So I think it starts with the coordinator hires. It starts with bringing in DeVito. And then that, that that kind of plants the seed of belief within your team that's watered and, and gets to grow and sprout um, throughout the season. And, and as we got a, a few bits of flurries here in, in Illinois over the overnight last night, uh, the, the weather's getting colder. Do we make too much of that? Do offenses and defenses, does anything really change as it starts getting colder here in the Big Ten? No, you... you uh... You can't. You, you can make. You. It's a factor. It's not as big as what people would say. But like, listen. It's it's no mystery that here in Big Ten country. I mean, come late October, come November, there's going to be games with serious inclement weather. You're not going to be able to sit back there and throw it 40, 50 times a game. You're going to have to be able to 
to establish the run and win in other ways. So, you know, it can't be everything, but, but it's going to come, it's going to play a part at least one game for most of these teams down the stretch of the season. So um, it's not everything, but it's something. Jake, but we really appreciate your time here. And uh, I'm not just saying this. I have uh, heard it said uh, behind the scenes that you're doing a fantastic job in your new role and your new broadcasting career, man. So we really appreciate you spending some time and, and keep up the good works. Don't know if you have any more Illinois games on your docket yet, but hope we can cross paths again. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, guys. No, Illinois, it, everyone up there is like, hey, you guys are welcome back anytime because um, <laughs> we're 2-0 and since, since our crew's been up there in the booth. So we'll see if we cross paths. It'd be great. It's one of the best booths in the entire conference. Super spacious. So um, um, we like it on any time. Hey, Jake, be well. We'll talk again. All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Jake. He's good. I learned something yeah. from that segment. Mm-hmm. He's. I like it when I. And maybe maybe the bar's a little low there, but I, I like it when I can listen to an analyst and just get football smarter. I get smarter when I talk with him, Martin O'Donnell. There's a lot of guys like that, and I, I just like to eat it up. Sometimes though, I consume it and then I lose it. So it's like I need this explained again. You don't use football's confusing. If you don't use it, you lose it. Well, that's true, and I haven't regularly broken down film for others, you know, to put together scouting reports or that kind of yeah. thing. So, okay, we promised Journey and a pair of tickets to give away. We're going to do that right now. If you'd like to go see Journey, how we want to do this? You get to be the, are we just going to take a call? You want somebody, you want to do a Journey trivia? Yeah. I'd have to. This morning on Penny, we did name a song. Yeah. I. I'm just in a giving mood, all right? All right, all right. It's, it's cold out there. We ain't got a, an Illinois football game this week. Let's just give some people some tickets if they want them. Okay. We will take caller number three. Caller three, a pair of tickets to see Journey and Toto oh. to the state at the State Farm Center. It's a win them before you can buy them, and they are on, uh, they're playing on March 20th of next year. All right. Caller number three, 217-356-9397. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. On the latest episode of Inside the Line Football, we discussed the nationally ranked Illini, their homecoming win against Minnesota, and what Heisman hopeful Chase Brown and Illinois can do in the last five weeks of the regular season. And I thought you get a lot of phone calls if Illinois basketball loses to Indiana on a Tuesday night in February. Nothing That's like nothing compared to Journey. Journey in March. We were lit up like a Christmas tree. Penny Davis is our winner. Congratulations, Penny. You've won a pair of tickets to see Journey and Toto next March at the State Farm Center. Can't buy them yet. You can buy them soon, but right now all you can do is win them with us. We'll continue to give them away this week on a Penny for Your Thoughts and here on Sports Talk. So if you didn't win but wanted to, don't stop believing. <laughs> Look at you. Big Journey fan over here. Got a question from a a listener. Uh, I don't know the answer to this. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Has a Canadian ever made it as a finalist, runner-up, or winner of the Heisman Trophy? No. My Canadian trivia is very low. Of all (laughs) things that you could ask me. When I was in Sioux Falls uh, doing baseball there, the... uh, 
the 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 previous ownership group before I got there had run this game. It was called Debtor Canadian, and and they would the MC would go into the crowd and and it was an in between inning promotion, mm-hmm. and they would flash a picture up, and then you had to. Uh, answer if the person you were looking at was dead, <laughs> dead or, Canadian, or Canadian or both it could have been the case <laughs> dead Canadian. so like if if at the time this was more than 10 years ago like Alex Trebek was shown then you have to go oh, okay I know he's Canadian you know but then you know if you're really savvy and John Candy was flashed up there then you had to know he was both dead and Canadian <laughs> That sounds like independent baseball at its finest it right there. It was the same that was the same ownership group that owned the St. Paul Saints and they were like the ones that were like cutting edge. That was uh Mike Vec and and you know the whole the lineage of the Vec family mm-hmm. and kind of you know the same reason we've got Ivy on the walls at Wrigley and and fireworks and Comiskey then Comiskey, you know, like let's be kind of cutting edge of of baseball. Well, they owned these minor league independent teams and then they sold it at Sioux Falls and, and the new ownership group wanted to get rid of that oh. kind of that that shtick but then that ownership group gave way to a new ownership group and like they, they responded to what the like they brought back all of these like fan we favorite promotions or Canadian, and that's what right. they wanted and that's what they got <laughs> it was fun you know and all the standard stuff you see at minor league games at dizzy bat races and and all that good stuff but uh yeah there was a ownership group um, that that prided themselves in they would ask fans on their way out what was the score of the game and if the fans could not remember who won in the game they considered it a success because they wanted it like we truly want you just to feel entertainment huh. and now you you know they figure ten percent of your fans coming to the game like have a real vested interest in the outcome of this game mm-hmm. and the players but most are just here to have a good time oh yeah minor league baseball yeah especially with those just so many we talk about cardinals giving away tickets that's the lifeblood of minor league and independent baseball is giving away tickets for different promotions and just packing the the stands full of people who want to come out to the ballpark yeah and then you make make some money back at the concessions yep. and and all that but and uh, you hopefully get a return customer yeah and there was there was good baseball to be had too. It was fun. It was fun times. But anyway, thanks for playing along on our journey giveaway. We really do appreciate it. And Chase Brown, speaking of Canadians, has come up because he is in the Heisman uh, conversation. I I just cannot believe, not because of him. I just can't believe it's not going to go to a quarterback. Well, and and how the quarterbacks are, are playing this year. You know, I keep saying it. You know, see, I think C.J. Stroud right now has it the number one spot, and there's a, a number of quarterbacks who are just kind of in that conversation. It's just not uh, as attractive of a pick to to give it to a running back. I know some have won it here recently. I, I want to say Derrick Henry was the last one. There might have been somebody in between. Well, Devontae Smith right, won it as, as a wide, wide receiver. receiver. Um, and then, yeah, Derrick Henry was the last running back okay. to win it in 2015. Wow. So that's been even longer than I thought, but still and not that long ago. And then Mark Ingram, Alabama, won mm-hmm. it in 2009. And uh, Reggie Bush, which was, that was the whole contract. You know, then he vacated it, and then... Now he wants it back and that, <laughs> that whole thing. Wendy's running their promo based off yeah. of that. Uh, you know what? And Ray, Ron Dane back in 1999 mm. with Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And Ricky Williams the year before that. And then, uh, boy, Charles Woodson was the last. And I think it feels like the only. The only sure. defensive player, if I, or not the only one. but well, certainly in forever. So it used to be a lot more was. running backs. Like in the 70s. 
And in the eight, you know, a little bit into the eighties, it the was old option in the wing tee, and yeah, we don't know what a forward pass is football. Um, so okay, I, I, I'm not ruling it out, but I just said, you know, the odds are it's going to a quarterback just based on recent history. He he certainly can. He's just going to have to keep up this pace and and then some. As we said, he's got the same number of rushing touchdowns as Tommy DeVito, and that's really the the big thing. <laughs> that, Tommy DeVito's touchdown run on Saturday beautiful was High more stepping. yards accumulated than his other three touchdown runs yeah what was it at Wisconsin he had like three touchdowns and minus two yards or something <laughs> like that <laughs> so and and that and that's not even really a, a knock on chase no. that's just that's what they look at they're going to look at yards they're going to look at rushing touchdowns receiving touchdowns and that's just kind of where he's lacking right now We'll come back and transition into the next hour. Lauren Tate will be in for hour number two with Travis Tate. We'll get Lauren's thoughts on all this and more, and then Travis shares his outlook on the NBA season. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Hi, this is Hannah Jackson from Judah Christian Volleyball. Tune in Wednesday as Illini Volleyball travels to Ohio State to take on the Buckeyes right here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. That means tomorrow we have a short show. Mm-hmm. Only in the 4 o'clock hour before we give way to pre-match coverage for Illinois Volleyball at Ohio State. So that means uh, Lauren will be in tomorrow. And and, and then Thursday and Friday I'm off. Mm-hmm. And so you'll have the reins for, for everything. But that means this is you and I, our last time together this week. That's true. It is. So I, I, I just want to wish you well. Well, thank you. It, it doesn't look like we're going to have anybody to root for in the American League as the Yankees jump out to a 5-1 lead. So it's like the... I don't even know, like the dark arts versus whatever terrible thing you want. So, rooting for the Phillies and the Padres. <laughs> Check out what John Boy Media tweeted if you didn't see it. Ooh, okay. There's a great fan group of the Padres just living it up and 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 ready to go get those Padres. Go go get those Phillies. It's going to be a fun series. Oh yeah, it'll be a totally fun. San series. Diego was rocking, and you know Philly comes out. So 